Welcome to the Sustock Podcast. I'm Susumu Rocky here, and we're overdrive officially in the sports world with NBA, NHL playoffs kicking off. And we definitely, I want to shed some light on the New York Knicks getting even with the Hawks and just like everything from last night. But there's also another big game that's coming up, and it's not even here. It's all the way across the pond, all the way in Europe. And the Champions League winner will be determined this Saturday. And joining me to break down everything surrounding this game is WFN's digital content producer, Anthony Gallo. Anthony, thank you so much for your time and welcome to the show. Thank you, man. I'm very excited. So much to talk about. And you call me at a good time because the Knicks are doing well in Man City's playing this weekend. It's it's great because, I mean, we're definitely the main part of this pod, we're talking Man City. But the most important thing, I wanted to quickly go to that Knicks game last night because as of recording, the Knicks are tied 1-1 in this series with the Hawks, which I think this, honestly, overall, this might be the best series out of all the playoff series in the, in the NBA right mm-hmm. now. It's the most heated, most highly contested. There's already a storyline where everybody just hates Trey Young to the point where some idiot decided to spit on him. Oh, and- dude, uh, yeah. there was a terrible decision by that guy. I just very... Very disgraceful the way people have been acting. But yes, I'm definitely with you on it being such a big series. It's it's so great because I watched game one. This was the first time. It's It was so compelling to the point where I got it. Like, so game one was on Sunday. I was coming off of my shift. Mm-hmm. And then immediately I missed my train. And then I think, oh, you know what? I'm going to go down to uh, Herald Square. I'm going to go down to K-Town and go get some dinner. Um, I pass along MSG. And then afterwards, I went off and like tried to go to K-Town. But then I saw a bar that had the like, TV on. Mm-hmm. And I this was legitimately the first time that I've actually considered just sitting like at a re- restaurant outside the city like this. So like it's the first oh. time since I got vaccinated. And very I, cool, very cool. I, I sat down and then I just watched the whole game all together. And I and everybody like this was really like the first time for me where I got to sit around and watch like passionate Knicks fans surrounding me. It was like this is an atmosphere. I love this. This is what I missed so much about this city is galvanizing and watching a, a New York sports team like this. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. And it's so cool because I hear you know a lot of my buddies, it's like that. Like a lot of people I talked to was like, you know, I got off of work. And I knew I wasn't getting it home for tip. So I went to a restaurant. I went to a bar. Like I had a couple of friends that told me that too. And it's cool. It feels a little different. You know, obviously remember those mellow led Knicks teams when they beat the heat that one year, they were down three, one, and it was embarrassing. We did the confetti. We all like to talk about it, but this felt different because everything with the, uh, you know, lockdown, like you said, it was the first place you went as a vaccinated person. I got lucky enough to go to game five. That's going to be my first event as a vaccinated person. So for the city, it's awesome. I feel like everyone, obviously, you know, with the spitting and stuff like that, people are getting carried away, but I feel like everyone's just happy to be out and support something all together. Do you see like what, what was going on like outside of MSG last night though? Because like that yeah. was an, that looked like a party though. Like, yeah, like, it um, looked awesome. Everybody was just jumping around. I'm pretty sure like they were jumping around and chanting, go New York, go New York, yes. go, like over and over again. Like, this team is so much fun to watch too. And that and it's like game one, honestly, it, it felt like anybody could have won that won that game because like Burks was going off. It was Randall wasn't was having a horrible oh. night. 
It hasn't been Rose good. basically it was basically Rose and Burks like they were really just like keeping the yeah. team afloat and then Trey hits this like ice cold floater to just seal the game and then fast forward you go to last night game two it feels like the same thing's gonna happen in the first half but then afterwards Tibbs makes the, the adjustment and says I need to keep Rose in this game the entire way through and what could happen? They just turn it around and then you get some nice spots from like Obi of all people. Oh, love it. And I've been a big Obi topping supporter. He's kind of gotten killed a lot. Also because of where Tyrese Halliburton was taken in the draft compared to him. So it's really good to see him stepping up at the two biggest moments of the season. He just doesn't feel like a tips guy. Like he doesn't feel like the kind of bigs that I, that we were used to seeing with tips like Taj Gibson, who, playing out of his mind yes your right? phone very cool he he's like a tips guy like he's the kind of guy it's like when you he's in the bot when he's in the paint he's boxing you out. he's gonna fight you he's gonna fight any yeah. anybody going for that rebound every right? board's his like i think that i don't think that's unfair i i i think that tips has found a way to use him his jump shooting has been poor this year and a lot of people focused on it when I feel like that he hasn't played that much. I'm not saying that he had a great rookie season, but there was things that he did well. You know, he played defense well. He clearly spaces the floor very well. Rebounding, uh, at times you've seen him move the ball without a problem. Um, but I don't think that's – I think styles obviously matter. Um, so that's fair. I, I never thought about it actually like that because I know a lot of people kill him, and a lot of it I always feel like is coming off of Tyrese Halliburton and stuff, but that's fair assessment too. It's because, like, when I watch, when I watch, like, Tibbs, like, especially during his years when he was running the Bulls, like, yeah. it's the style that he was bringing in that was, like, some of those guys fit exactly what Tibbs wants. Like, he wants, yeah. like, a physical, defensive-oriented big. Who can move the ball. Yeah. Like, basically, he wants a Joe Kim Noah. He wants a Carlos Boozer type. And yes. Randall is kind of, like, both of those guys mixed together. Mm -hmm. He has, like, the offensive prowess that Boozer had at least in his prime in Utah. And then, but he also has like this passing ability that no, that Noah had, Yep. which I don't think anyone was able to really replicate in that system. No. And, and we forget, um, not, he, he wasn't Jokic, but joke him. Noah at times would, uh, he wasn't bringing the ball, but he would help facilitate the offense. Like, especially those years at Derrick. Like, I don't know if uh, anyone remembers the year. I forgot. Uh, I think they played the Nets in the playoffs. And Joe Kim Noah led that team to the playoffs with Jimmy Butler. And it was like you said, he was doing all the little things. That's kind of cool. They are kind of like – he. Uh, Randall is really like a mixture of both of them. That is kind of cool. I didn't he, think about it like that. He has like a really – like he stepped up in so many ways, but it's also just like I feel like the passing is really what kind of led, led him up. Because like you see like anybody could score like 20-10, right? 20 yeah. points, 10 rebounds. But it takes a special kind of player to do 20-10 and then – like a 27-7 or something, or 25-7-7. Yeah, it, that's, and what Randall did this year, he didn't really change his game. He no, just no. did what he did better. And like you said, anyone can get 20-10, and 10, it's what he was doing outside of that, you know, the passing, the defense. Yeah, everything about it. And then I'm just trying to think, the, just the rest of the team just, just kind of keeping the whole team afloat. Yeah, and it, I think that a big key, too, that people missed was – they shot so poorly. Everyone focused on the first quarter. The Hawks kind of replicated the Knicks' poor shooting in the second quarter, too, in game one. But they shot so poorly in the first half that 
And they, I remember thinking going in the halftime, I think they were down one or two. And I'm like, we're lucky to be where we are right now. And it wasn't just because of Randall. It was just the whole team wasn't shooting well. Like you said, they, the bench kept them in it and kept it close the rest of the game. Burks in the fourth. It's just really nice to see that they responded pretty well in that second half. And that's the kind of thing where now you're heading down to Atlanta and I don't know what it's going to be like down there because with, you know, Atlanta is like a transient city. There's yeah. not really like this homegrown, like the, if you're talking like any like homegrown fans down in Atlanta, it's like, they really just like, it's all football down there. Yeah. And soccer, their <laughs> soccer team does well too. But Do they like, have like a growing fan base down there? Like for the, they, they, uh, they play in the same arena as, or the stadium as the Falcons and they sell it out a lot. Like wow. first, and it's, they have a unique, U.S. soccer experience there. You're right, and I think that people forget. Um, much like when we play the Heat, Atlanta is one of those cities that it's a very balanced crowd. You could see almost a 55, 65 percent mixed crowd. Hopefully, that'd be awesome. Well, we actually happen to know one of our colleagues is yes, going to go. Yes, exactly. That'd be very fun. <laughs> oh he's my god! Have a I think he's going to both games. Yeah, they have him both games. I'm like, God, God bless Boomer for hooking him up for that. <laughs> oh yeah, the hilarious, oh, very funny dude. That made oh. that made my day when I when I woke up to that. I was like, God, I, that made my whole day. I was like, That's great. Yeah. This was going down to going in down a to normal year. I probably would have did this. I probably would have went down. It's just right now the headache. And the tickets are a little bit more expensive than I feel like normally they would be in Atlanta. Yeah, I just like, I find it like kind of weird that like they're not galvanizing around like Trey Young of all people. Like that guy's a star. Like no matter how you feel about the way that he tries to like fish for fouls or no, he's awesome. He is. It just you hate playing him. Like I think he'll get a little bit of that James Harden treatment where he's that offensive player that people just seem to hate on at some point, like he's, cause he's getting so good and more national recognition. I also think with Atlanta, the problem is it's not that Atlanta is a very loyal sports town. I think it's that Georgia, you know, Atlanta is not a city like New York when it comes to population. So Georgia is a football state, like you said. So like, it's tough for them to have, you know, like I'm a Broncos fan. When you go to a Broncos game, it's all of the, you know, Colorado is coming to the game. Like, I'm not sure that the, the Hawks ever get that kind of uh support yeah and this franchise by the way like they've had like streaks of like being really good like they had Wil in the 70s they were good 80s they had yes. wilkins and even the 90s they had matump they had that run with matumbo and yeah and we even had the the josh smith well al horford hawks that they might not have been title contenders but they were a one seed i think one year so that that you know they they've had a, a history it's, it's an awesome area, too. Atlanta's a great city, and where the stadium is, I've only been there once, um, or the arena, I should say. It's a very cool area, in my opinion. It's a nice little downtown, like, convention center area. So there's a lot. Going to Atlanta itself is very fun. Um, so I, I expect it to be a, a pro-Knicks crowd. I'm not sure that Trey Young realized that yet. Oh man, I, it's like it's so jarring when you you get it's like oh finally I'm home yeah. I'm home at the State Farm Arena and then you just hear like F Trey Young you just yeah. it's so loud and then it's just like really they came down here too yeah um, I, I I it's a good I wonder if he's expecting a not a, obviously he knows it's not going to be Madison Square Garden 
But I wonder if in his head, he thinks it's going to be this raucous crowd. And that's not really the Atlanta Hawks fans reputation. Yeah, it's just, I wonder how that's just going to turn out. I'm actually genuinely curious because we knew like going into these first two games that in MSG, we knew that the, the fans are going to like make the atmosphere. Oh, they blew it away. Bigger than my, was better than what I expected. Yeah, it's like you basically, they had like, it was packed, but like, you know how like in some like behind the basket, they kind of pushed out the, the seats. Yeah. And they would like, no, that was not there. That was like full packed. Like the, you could see fans like all packed in there. And game two, it felt like there was more fans. Exactly. Like, oh my God. And I thought people were going to be scared away because like the hot, the lowest minimum price that I saw was like, what, $900 for a ticket, right? Well, so when they first released the tickets, or when you first saw those ticket prices, only a certain amount of people had their tickets. So, like, there was people posting prices for tickets they didn't necessarily have. Like, I got my tickets retail, and I paid, you know, I think it was 175 after fees. But going into it, I thought, oh, man, like, I'm not going to get a ticket. I can't pay $400, let alone $900. But then somebody, um, one of my friends was like, hey, you know, this day they're doing the season ticket uh, orders for playoff tickets. Probably the next day they're going to do uh, release to the public. And he texted me and he's like, yo, it was like one o'clock. He goes, two o'clock, they're doing the public t- ticket thing. And I'm thinking at this point, people have probably been already waiting and they almost have a queue waited. But I got lucky. And I, one and two, it was tough to get anything for. The non-vaccinated tickets went quick. So I was like, I'm not going to try for game one or two. I'm just going to go to game five. I could have got a ticket to game seven, but I was like, I want to make sure I go because I've gotten, I've had it happen twice before where I've gotten playoff tickets to a team and I wasn't able to go because the games never happened. So I, I got lucky. Yeah. At the very least, like this game two basically cemented that there will be a game five. And yeah, I've yeah, never, yeah. I've never been to a playoff like game. Like this is my first playoff. Well, I go to NYCFC playoff games and I'm not trying to like downplay it. It's just not the same. I've never been to a Mets, Knicks, Rangers Broncos playoff game. Oh man. So let's go into let's go into shift over to soccer because we're, you're a huge fan of NYCFC but and they share like a partnership with another team that you're a huge fan of, Man City. Yes. This is why we are doing this podcast because yes. This team has just convincingly dominated the Premier League. Yes. I'm pretty sure it was like Dominate, my, let them know son. It's like I th- I'm pretty sure. What, what was it by then? Like everyone was like, "Nope, they just sealed the the Premier League Cup." Like, basically, I, I think. Um, I think they. I think it was probably early April. It wasn't just like mathematically eliminated, but it was like, "All right, this is it." Like this is they basically got it. Um, and it's funny. Um, I have a podcast of my own, Blood Sports Talk, and if uh, listen, if you listen to it early in the year, I was very negative about NYCFC. Whether it was the offseason, I felt like we had overpaid, as stupid as the sounds, for Ruben Diaz. And that he was going to be another Pep center back disaster. And he wasn't. And in November, December time, I thought it was, I didn't think we were going to be close to finishing at the top of the league. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Yeah, I was like, you, you mean Man City, right? Because I heard you say NYCFC. Yes, I meant Man City. I'm sorry. Okay, there. just making sure on that. Yeah, so, yeah. 
you had me when I started, uh, tw- I forget, I think it was like around March or February. I started. Uh, tw- <laughs> I think it was I, actually a little earlier, maybe even January. Yeah. I th- okay. So I remember in January, I started uh, getting more into the Premier League in, yes. as a whole. I, I was like, you know what? I'll, I'm going to follow the league by watching some of the highlight clips from each of the matches. Right. And this came off of after I finished watching Ted Lasso, which by the way, Excellent show. I loved it. To it. I have to get to it. <laughs> yeah. Season two is coming out this summer. And oh, I, awesome. I might actually just like bite the bullet and just get an Apple TV account or Apple <laughs> Plus or whatever <laughs> the service is called. I don't really care. But so I come off of that. And then I think I started like thinking to myself, okay, I want to try to get into soccer again, but I got to find like a team to root for. Right. Yeah. And then this started like this bidding war. Oh, it was a and it was a bidding war that I was a hundred percent in on because we work with uh, Liverpool fans, Chelsea fans. Um, I think those are the two main ones. There's a couple Leicester fans in there, stuff like that. Really, Leicester fans? I've yes. Um, Samson, Mike Samson. I don't know if you worked. Maybe he was a little bit before when you got there. Um, he's a Leicester fan. Really? Yes. And I had to make sure I steer you in the right way because this is our chance. I did not get to pick most of my other sports teams. They were kind of handed to me. This was a chance. American soccer fans have a luxury where unless you have a tie to a family, you know, I'm an Italian. I don't have any ties to Italy. I, I, I will love Italian soccer. I picked my Italian soccer team that I root for in Roma. We have a, a luxury here where it's not the same as I grew up a Mets fan. My parents were Mets fans. I had to steer you the right way. And Man City, they, they will talk about their lack of trophies in Champions League, which can change on Saturday. But they are the cream of the crop in the Premier League. And I had to make sure you get in on this. And here's how you basically, the, what your selling point was basically <laughs> surrounded around Pep Guardiola. Oh. Who you made you suggested that I should watch this documentary called Take the Ball, Pass the Ball, which documented his time in Barcelona, yes. which I would say it's a combination of his tactics, having a generational player in Lionel Messi, but also having this golden generation of Spaniard players 100%. on his team, like guys like Bisquets. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's Bisquets. okay. I do. I'm, I'm tough with the names too. So. Puyol's another one. I'm yes. pretty sure David Villa was on that team too. Yep. That like, was a stacked team. Um, I am. I want to say Iniesta was on that team. I might be Iniesta, wrong about that. I think was there yes. too. Um, but. That's an okay do- – as far as, like, overall documentaries, it's an okay documentary, but the main reason why I had suggested it is when they talk about the tactics, you really learn um, about Pep's style of playing the game, which had people call revolutionary. Some people hate it. I love the band. Um, he can do no wrong in my eyes. It's, it's interesting because he has this very interesting journey – of starting out in Barcelona, you're starting with at your career as working in your in, for the top brand in all of, in all of the sport, right? Mm-hmm. In Barca, he has this historic run, but then he leaves because, like, and it kind of answered this question that I've always wondered: it's like, why do all these managers, these great managers, they keep having these short times with these clubs? And then I realized that it's just mentally taxing. Mm-hmm. Like you have to compete all year round. And I'm just thinking to myself, you don't have, you can't afford to have an off season. Like the way that like American sports franchises have yep. like, it's not even close. It's like a month, both of the, most of the time that you get off and that's about it. 
Yeah, you don't have time to be like relaxed. And like, it's kind of just amazing that he's able to, he's had these stops. Like he went from Barca, he went to Bayern Munich mm-hmm. and he won a bunch of championships there. Then he goes into Man- signs with Man City and basically he has legitimized this club and made them into a top flight, not only just in the Premier League, but just in the world as well. Like they're consistently competing for a Champions League and they've been hunting for that Champions League title ever since. Like it's come to the point where it's like, oh, we want another Premier League. Huh, all right, whatever. And and part of what got me into being a Man City fan, um, I went to Italy when I was a kid. So I always tell the story because it's like, oh yeah, you're a foreigner. I didn't like, I got a jersey of Sean Wright Phillips and I kept it, and it was a thing that, like, oh, if I liked the team, I, I had no idea Man City was a bottom feeder at that point. Not very good. They weren't, like, Man U. They weren't a Chelsea. But that first run, when they won the Premier League, I was in college, and it was right when um, Premier League really got a shine on NBC and, and on American Cable. And, I, you know, late nights in college turned into early mornings, and soccer was the perfect sport. So it's so funny to see Man City – now almost brush off the league title when I remember Aguero scoring that goal and it was like one of the craziest experiences I've seen from a sporting event. Um, but you're right. Uh, for, before Pep got there, they could. it was always a thought they were, after they got the money that they got um, and Pellegrini leading them to that title, they were, t- they were Premier League contenders. It never felt like they could compete for Champions League. And Pep changed that. His first year, people tried to say he was a disappointment. And now this is it. We're here. And it, it, it's the one stressful moment that I like just getting here. We felt like winning it. And now you have to win it. And since then, like they've had this kind of a core that they've built around. Right. Yeah. So they have guys like uh, De Bruyne, who is, uh, who, by the way, can we can I talk about this for a second? The fact that they convincingly dominated the premier league with when they were missing De Bruyne for like the, a portion of the season. Yep. And it was a major in part to Gundogan being such a, a just a beast for that that time period. Yeah, I thought for a second, I thought it's like, oh, Gundogan, I'm like that's that's a that sounds like a very that's a Turkish name. And then afterwards, I learned, oh, he's from Germany. Like, Wait, what? <laughs> I got I got really confused by that. I thought the same thing for the longest time. I was calling him a Turkish player, and I felt bad, and I found that out he's German. And I was like, oh, it's like Miss, it's like Ozil. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, um, he was so good, and he stepped up, and it's part of why. You know, I uh, Conte on Chelsea is a guy that I really like, and he scares me. But it's why I feel not as bad seeing him out there because we have two world class players um, in the midfield, with, and Gundogan really shined. Um, he, him or Ruben Diaz could have won uh, Premier League Player of the Season, and I think obviously Diaz got it because of how historically great um, Man City's def- uh, defense was and their back line was this year. Um, so you're right. I, I, and I'm not, this is not saying that other people can't have excuses, but you see other clubs lose their best player, <clears throat> Liverpool, and they, they falter. <laughs> what happened there? I, who doesn't have it there? But uh, obviously it's a different situation with the money. But De Bruyne being out, it's almost like they found a way to play. And another factor is, too, Raheem Sterling hasn't been that great the last, you know, 60 to 90 days, I want to say. He has not been his you know, Sterling self. Yeah. And it also kind of like, you also have like this young guy too, this um, Phil Foden, who is just, he's, I found out he's 20. I'm like, wait, this guy's 20. 
this dude's 20 and he's just like i thought like my god this guy is going to be like the future of the, of the british team right yes and i just feel like now they've come to the point where you reach a certain point where some of these clubs where like real madrid barca juventus or per PSG, all these clubs where now they are the final destination for all, all a lot of these stars. Like they were, you're hearing like now you're hearing like these transfer rumors with Harry Kane. He could go to one of the yep. Manchester clubs, right? And then Holland's also another one. Like that guy, like could easily could be transferred for a yep. godly amount of money. He could go oh, to Man City. I'm curious to see what the pandemic does to the transfer market this year and and the winter transfer market. Uh, but you're right and. It's like what, the way you first stated that one of the Manchester clubs, that's where you know that they've made it because Man U is a premier club, premier brand, like the Yankees. Um, and now Man City's not that brand. They don't have the history. Not that Man U's history is, you know, centuries, but they have, you know, a lot of silverware. But just the way that you stated that, it's like the perfect way to encapsulate like Man City finally being that destination. Like you said, we had the messy rumors, which was twofold for me because we thought he was coming here. And then after he was going to play a little bit of Man City, he was going to come to New York. So it was like, bang, bang, this is awesome. But obviously it didn't happen. And it's hilarious to see that it didn't happen. And they turned out to, you know, have their best season yet for me. You know, it all decides on Saturday. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of just like I've been talking with uh... – you know, every now and then I've like this, this Chelsea run has been actually in crazy. It's great. It's insane. Right. So like, we know who like the lone Chelsea fan that we work with. Yes. <laughs> it, periodic. It's just, it's so confounding because like from, from reading like his, his tw Twitter feed, right. Uh, by the way, we're, we're talking about Demon, by the way. Yes. So it's just like, how does this team somehow make it to the Champions League final? I have no idea how this happened. Just re based off of just reading the tweets that alone. It's well, like, I think like, that it's perfect. Tom is a perfect example um, because he constantly, the one thing that with Lampard was they, the, the squad selection and the way that he would set up his lineups. Um, I think that changed. When they changed the manager, it changed. And if they let, if they were at this pace at the beginning of the season, it would have been a last day type of thing for Man City to win the league. It wouldn't have been such a blowout. Yeah, and I'm just – it's just kind of like what this reminded me. Like I I've was stuck on just co comparing this run to the Syracuse run in 2016, right? But then that's actually not a correct, it, a correct analogy there. The actual analogy is like the Blues in 2019 because they switched their manager. They fired their manager in the middle of the season, and then as soon as a new guy came in, they had this stretch run, and then they made it to the finals. Yeah, it's it's it. I couldn't think of anything. Actually, not just thinking about. It, I can't really. Those are the best examples. I couldn't think of one. Me being a Knicks fan, I compared it to when we fired D'Antoni. Woodson came in, and the team went like eighteen and four, eighteen and six, something like that. And they obviously weren't title contenders, but it was a big difference in the way that they played. And it was clear the coaching change mattered the next year that they went on to the second round. Yeah. I, I guess like the, the key, right. The key for this, like this champions league final is really the play in the midfield is going to be what matters because the question really isn't really like about what the forwards do, because, you know, 
it it's Pulsic who I'm not even we're not even sure he might play that this game. We have no idea. It's but they never know with them, and he is instant offense. It's true. And if you watched Chelsea's last few games, especially the uh, Leicester Cup final, they they look their attack looks very wide, and it's they it felt like they weren't getting center runs. And also, Timo Werner just continues to miss. Give me opportunities, and he's getting all these chances. The chances are there for him, and he's not putting it away. And that could it could be a one nothing game. So if they're not putting their chances away, they're not converting their chances. It's go, it, that could be a major thing. So I think you're right. The midfield is where it's going to be won. Clearly, we know the backline battle will be won by Man City if we're talking about it on paper. And you can make the argument that the forwards on Chelsea are a little bit more daunting and in the midfield you have Conte world class everyone loves him it's it's really just between Conte and De Bruyne like at this point like that's the matchup that everyone's going to focus on and I don't like for me it's like I don't really know like tactics wise like what's like that I haven't let reach that level of soccer fandom yet where I'm just yeah, like, it's like, listen I'm still learning too sometimes so obviously like it, 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 we're all learning we're all on this journey together yeah so for so for Pep, for example, like speaking of tactics, uh, one of the things that, that kind of drew me, like here's how I kind of became a lot more locked in with soccer is that I started following and learning about soccer memes. And uh-huh. some, right. <laughs> so I've been watching, for example, like Bleacher Report has this show called The Champions mm-hmm. and it's a great series. And one, awesome. of the, one of the series, one of the running jokes they love putting is that Pep is like this, he overthinks, he likes doing like weird strat, like strategies. He, and I'm like, you know, in some ways, I I kind of I kind of empathize with that because like I overthink a lot of, all the time, but not to the grand scale that he does because his his profession has makes so much more money and yeah. it's a lot more stressful. And I fully get that. But like, you can I, see him overthinking on the sidelines, though up three goals, and he's like miserable on the sidelines, like thinking about a chance they missed. He. I, I and I get that because like I love like building. I love I love building. I love like strategizing. I love trying to like create tactics and just trying to see yeah. it, like we're gamers. Exactly. Like, so like, that's like our thing. Yeah. So like I and I don't blame him. Like anyone who criticizes anyone for overthinking is like, yeah, if it if you work with them, that's fine because like it affects performance. But if you're like from the outside and you're like saying, oh, he overthinks, he needs to stop doing that. It's like, how about you pick up that clipboard or you get on that whiteboard and you try to figure out how to play this game? Well, there it is another, this is a better documentary than the one, you know, see the ball, pass the ball. Um, or I'm sorry, I think I just botched that. But um the Amazon series, I think it's called All or Nothing. They did it, they did it the year that Man City had a similar run where they blew out the Premier League, and it's very cool. And you could see him overthinking where there's times he's walking out and Dominic Tarant, his assistant manager or one of his assistant coaches, he like grabs them as the team's walking out of the locker room and they walk over to the clipboard. And you know, in soccer, they have those magnets all over the clipboard. And he's like showing him, he's like, but what if we do this? And he's moving the pieces around and he just looks like a mad scientist, like trying to figure out the formula. Like it's very different from like how Mourinho did it when because I actually started watching all or nothing Tottenham's uh yes. Tottenham edition. It's very different. Like Mourinho is a lot more calm. Belichickian cold calculated yeah and pep has like this whole like has this whole energy of like it's very chaotic energy yeah if you were to compare them to nfl coaches i think the best comparison is Mourinho's like belichick 
in the sense that no one really likes him. He doesn't get along with his peers. And Pep is like Pete Carroll. Like, you know, Pete Carroll's jittery. He's always chewing the gum. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I don't I don't want to have the thought of, like, Pep just chewing gum on the sideline. Yeah. Just, <laughs> oh, you're like, a Seahawks squ- fan. <laughs> squ- just squatting down. I don't, I don't want that image. But, I really don't. I like his image better where he just has, like, this, like, this jacket or something. Oh, and yeah, and he dresses so casual for the clean shaven face, and then he's just you see like his expression. Like by half time, he's got five o'clock shadow. It's like 50 different emotions happen in like the span of 10 seconds. Yep. I that I love and I love that. And it's and here's the thing though, that I'm this is why I'm debating my fandom, is because there's two like amazing personalities in terms of like managers in the Premier League right now. You have Pep, who had Pep, and then there's Jurgen Klopp for uh, for Liverpool. Likeable. His smile is endearing. He's very likable. It's, it's the teeth. I'm sorry. It it's, is. It's got perfect teeth. I can't. It's <laughs> just like every single time I'm trying to debate, I'm just like ah, I can't. I I have like two photographs of these two guys, and I'm just like I I I can't pick between you. Yeah. I you look at you look at Klopp. He's like he's got he's tall. He's got the nice smile, and Pep looks like what's his name. Um, from Leon the Professional, if you've ever seen the Natalie Portman movie, the guy that helps her out, he's like that. Like he just smoke. He doesn't smoke cigarettes, but like he looks like he's smoking cigarettes, or like he's like an artist that like. I, it, I legitimately don't blame him if he like if I found out that he just smokes cigarettes in secret. I don't. Yeah. I don't because just sounds like stressed out. He he loves yeah. all the time. I don't blame well, him at all. Former Chelsea manager Mauricio Sarri was one of my favorite. He used to smoke cigarettes down to the butts in the middle of a match. Like it was hilarious. Uh, no, yeah, he. The, it's tough with those ones because as much as I, my friends being Liverpool fans and them getting jolted up the, the table because, you know, for a while they were struggling, has made it tough because I like Klopp and I do like a lot of those guys on Liverpool. Being a Roma fan, you know, I love Salah and Alisson. Um, so he's very tough to not like. See, then there was other managers like Mourinho was at Man U and now that Mourinho manages Roma, it's hilarious. But Mourinho was that manual, so it was perfect. I don't like the guy. I don't like the team. It's perfect. He hates Pep. Pep's my guy. Like It, it, it couldn't have worked out perfect. Now, um, I don't want to even try and pronounce his name, but Chelsea's manager that took over midseason. Uchilla. Yes. Um, he's uh, German, I think. Yes, he's also a giant, like Klopp. Like, they're both very tall. He... Um, you know, he's more of like I'm trying to think of like a good comparison, American like American sports wise. But he's very you watch him after the games, he's going up to each player and it's he's like you know, arm around them and giving them something to he's, talk he's about. a very personable guy. Yes, that's the perfect way to describe it. Yeah, I, I don't really know Tuchel that well. I, I didn't even know that he has all this success. Like he was like his past job was working for uh PSG, I believe. And I didn't like I didn't know like this is the guy that they replaced him. Like, really? They just got like another like big manager just like that like it can't be this easy <laughs> yeah and i i and we never actually touched on it before so when you talked about like the short tenure it's something in soccer and it's not just a european soccer thing i see to the mls too how quickly the manager turnover is and how quickly guys go from top job to top job to top job whereas you know in the nba look at tibbs he had to go from chicago which is i would consider a big time job then he went to Minnesota, not a big time job. They, you know, no one cares about the Timberwolves. And now he's back in New York. In soccer, that never happens. You know, Mourinho had to get fired like three times in like five years to end up at a slightly smaller job in Roma. So, you know, it, it, when they're when these guys are good, they can get any job they want. 
If Pep wins Champions League this year, there's not a job in football he couldn't get if he wanted it. Yeah, basically anywhere you could like. Yeah, well, even if he did it, he controls like the he. It's basically he controls how everything like in the negotiation room. He has all the leverage. Yes, I I more or less I'm just I what I love about this and I I kind of want to is this is why I think like soccer is kind of like I thought for a second I didn't like the fact that the managers had a short tenure, but then you kind of understand that like there it's mostly because like it's just the the stress that comes comes along with being a great manager for a team the expectations you have so i have like a much more appreciation and understanding for how everything works i still don't really um i'm still kind of very hesitant and don't really like how like the off like transfers work and how basically it's like a funnel like you, you watch the bundesliga for example like every team even dortmund all their players are just like, I want to go to Byron. <laughs> I, yeah, that, I don't like that at all. It's it's one thing that, you know, it's part of the Super League issues that happens, but it's it's because of the free market. It's like what we see in baseball is the best comparison is that these guys all end up wanting to be a Dodger, Yankee, Red Sox at some point in their career, maybe a Cardinal if you want to throw it in there. Um, and it's tough for teams the thing is, too, if you consistently play in Champions League, you can keep your players. Unless you're, you know, a guy that uh, achieves a lot, like um, all those guys at Leicester probably felt like they were never going to compete in Champions League, so they left. Obviously, now it would have been a different story if they kept that core together, Conte and everyone, Mares. Um it is like a funnel. And and the worst thing about, for me, about the transfer period isn't even the actual transfers. It's how much information's out there and how literal, little of it is actually concrete information. A lot of times we hear rumor in the NBA, the NFL, we kind of know that that rumor is true, whether it's like Rodgers wanted to be traded or James Harden wanted to be out of the Houston or something like that. You don't get that in soccer. It's a lot more... Um... Is a lot more vague. It's a lot less like reliable information. Yeah, and we, I I don't know if like there's like a guy like a woe Shefty kind of guy. I don't know. Well, don't know every if- league has their own. Whether you know, um, I like John Solano when it comes to Italy. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that um, my, I don't, I'm going to butcher names, so I'm not going to attempt to do it. But it, it's that's the other thing is too is you know it's not the NBA. You know, FIFA is a world organization, so you have German reporters, Italian reporters, English reporters, you know, so you're never getting that, you know, proper information. And sometimes the information might be proper in the sense that they got it from a reliable source, but that was planted information like we see now. Um, A lot of the MLS rumors you hear attached to big name players, a lot of the time are put out by the player's agent because they know that the MLS scares teams into buying a player because the MLS can compete salary-wise with a lot of those non-world-class clubs. So, yeah, so, like, a lot – I – that's why when Pirlo came to NYCFC, everyone was kind of shocked because we thought that was just – he had just played in the Champions League final. We thought it was, oh, he's using this to get leverage either on Ventus or whatever his next club was. Yeah, that's actually actually fascinating. I didn't actually think about it like that. Um, It's – I'm just trying to think to me, like – this whole, I, I kind of have like a lot more of a, like an appreciation for it, for it. And like, I feel like every sports league has like flaws and like, you just have to deal with it. And sometimes with soccer, it's just, if you get past the part about everybody wanting to be part of the top, mm-hmm. top echelon of the clubs, you just, you can just appreciate like where they are now. Like 
just appreciate right now that Holland's with Dortmund right now. Yes. Just appreciate that that is that he is there and he and Sancho are just like excellent pair, an excellent forward pair. Appreciate that fact. And then guys Mm -hmm. like Lester, like where some of the guys. um, You could appreciate that Lester, even though it's a disappointment because they were in the top four this year for the longest amount of time of any team. Like they're a consistent champion league, European or Europa League team now which is to me is awesome. I, I look at it like, you know, whether it comes to the players, that's why a guy like Francisco Totti or uh, Danilo De Rossi are so valued because they stayed in a club, which a long period of time, that's so unheard of. And you look at certain clubs with Ajax making their run in the Champions League or Tottenham making that final, you see how much it means to these clubs just to get there. Like you could appreciate that too. I always found that like, trying to balance all that. It's, it's just incredible. But I, two more things. One, I want to quickly make a side quick comment on the fact that I love listening to player interviews, like soccer interviews. Yes. I love it just because I want to know if like how many languages these guys know. Oh, it's incredible. Some of them know like five languages just because every time they go to a team, they get put into an intensive language course, depending on how uh, their grasp of that language is. Yeah, I wonder, like, Ronaldo like, no, probably knows, he knows Spanish, Portuguese, mm-hmm. uh, English, and then how? I wonder how much Italian he knows. Like, it, genuinely curious, because, like, this, like all these guys, like, for all we know, some of these guys have been, like, <laughs> fought, played in five different countries. Yeah, and I think a lot of it, like, I look at Mo Salah's played in Italy, England, you know, he's Egyptian. Like, there's so much that a guy like that, his language is... It, also, I guess, too, like, you know, that saying, like, when you learn one language... Now it's easier to learn others. And like with Ronaldo's case, you know, probably learning all the romantic languages was easy. And it's probably knows French. Yeah. yeah and it, it's, it's really nuts how like it is the way that these players are like, and they go and they seem to communicate fine. Obviously like English in Europe, I think is like a standard language too, but yeah. I, I just like, it's interesting. Like, God, imagine if Ronaldo played in like Bundesliga and then him struggling to learn German, just because it's such a drastically uh, different language. Drastically different, and it's tough. Like it's a tough. It's one of those tougher languages to learn. I tried. I tried German on Duolingo, and I was like, uh, it's, "Yeah, it's, I, I've been trying for eight years to learn Italian." So, yeah. Um, so one more thing, I want to wrap this up. Like, how do you feel that this game is going to go? Do you feel that it, it's going to be a decisive? it'll be close or do you feel that man city is much more decisive that it's leaning towards them just like convincingly being like i think it's going to be close i do think that we could see man city get an early run and if they get a goal or two in the first half it could be a lousy game for the non man city fans and the casual viewer and chelsea fan but i think it's going to be close i wouldn't be shocked if it's 1-1 coming down to extra time and maybe we end up in a penalty uh, kick uh, shootout but like you said, it's going to come down to the midfield. My my prediction, if I was to make a prediction right now, I'd say Man City 2-0, um, but not 2-0 early. Maybe they go up one and they get a late goal as Chelsea tries to push down the field. Mm, that's fascinating. I, I'm just – I'm not going to make a prediction just because I – like, I honestly just – I don't – I just want to enjoy the game. I just want to look at and see what yeah. happens, whether we just, it's two scenarios and they're both great scenarios. It's either Man City completes and gets at least two of the, of the three major, um, the trebles, like two, two out of the three to complete yeah. the treble. Right. So it's either they get their second 
major championship of this whole calendar year, or we get to see Chelsea make this un complete this ungodly run. And that, then and Man City has this dark cloud hanging over them still. Yeah, it's which is you know, that's what's what's special about it. It's like, man, the storylines so, are there. Yeah. I, I will say one more thing. Um, God, Manchester United at the Europa, man. You know what? So um I was watching the game early and I felt like it was over when they were down one nothing. I didn't get to see the PK. I watched it last night afterwards. So I didn't see it live. And everyone's texting me, oh my God. I felt so bad for De Gea because he was like, you it's just like it's penalty shot. Most of the time it goes in. And then he just like the one time the the goalie, I don't know what the, that Spanish uh, club, uh, Virial, whatever the hell their, their name is. Like, he made your heart read. He gets the save at the last on the Gia's kick. And I'm just like, oh, my God, that's so horrible. And you know what it is? That is a stressful – that is so stressful. Um, let alone just the normal PKs, getting to that many. When you get to the double digits, like – and then you know that there's a when you get to nine, you, there's that thought. When you're watching as a casual fan, you're like, "I want the goalies in on this. Like, let's get the goalies doing a PK. Let's go." And, and I, when I watched it later, obviously they didn't have the same bonds. It was still phenomenal. Uh, the rest of the game was a dud, but that was exciting. That was great. And man, I it's just like it's really it's really open open my eyes. You know, it's like I. I, I'm starting to embrace soccer now, and it's kind of nice. And then I'm going to go into the, the next Premier League season, and hopefully I'll have a team by then. Yes, let's hope, hope. We know it's going to be Man City. Let's hope it's Man City at least. You put up a compelling case, but you know for a fact that like our friends are the lip, like Liverpool faithful are going to try to. Yeah. Well, Stu steals things. I, I'm saying that on the record. So just don't watch it. Are you sure might... you want to say this? <laughs> <laughs> and Mike Mike Zimmerman. Um, has burner accounts on Twitter for man use. I'm, I'm making up stuff for Liverpool stuff. I'm making up. This is all lies. Okay, good, good. Yeah. good. I don't want to get sued. Stu is not a petty criminal. Um, but he's going to kill me for saying that. Um, but I listen, you'll see Saturday enough to make your case. Also, uh, hopefully things get back to normal. To the extent, I would love to take you to an NYCFC game because Dude, I would, I would love it because I. I can't recognize the team now, but I've been to a handful of the games where it was like Via was like the star marquee. Yeah, and, and those are those. It's are fun. fun. Yeah, and when you watch watching Via was special. Um, obviously everything that happened after he left is a whole other story, but watching him play was special. You clearly saw the world class ability. Like he could have kept playing if you wanted to in the MLS, um, because he was playing at such a high level. But yeah, that's part of what like you know, dove me deeper into the sport and everyone I bring with me that is kind of on the borderlines of watching the sport falls more in love with it. And it's the MLS. It's not upper restaurants, but we'll do that. And then hopefully next year, the International Champions Cup happens again where they these teams do their preseason in America and they have all these games. Like I've gotten to see Real play in, Bars, uh, in uh, Roma, Tottenham. That's a lot of fun. So we'll do that too. And you'll, you'll be a fanatic by the end of, this actual calendar year. I'll say this: like I love, I love going to soccer games live, though. That's a different fun. experience. Like, it's so much it, fun. It, whether if it's top flight European competition, MLS, hell, even like high school soccer. Like I remember back in high school, like I used to love going to like the night the night games for like my soccer my, my soccer it. team. Oh, we yeah, we were, I went to a small school. Soccer was one of our better sports, though. Yeah, it's 
it's like soccer is just fun to watch live uh like tv experience wise it's i think it's also fun but like if you go there live like it's an experience like i've yeah. been to support you've been to the supporter section at nycfc i'm assuming yeah that's where my tickets are in the supporter section 237 oh, so 238 236 that was like that's in the bleachers at yankee stadium hopefully they get their own stadium soon but yeah um but yeah it, it you know basically well here's how it goes if you don't have if someone doesn't spill beer on you when they score a goal what do you you're not experiencing anything yeah so i brought my roommate with me and i forgot to tell him like hey they went you know they throw beers in the air and he wore this nice jacket i ended up feeling bad <laughs> it's just you just know like you go in and like you might as well just get a poncho because like you're going to someone's going to spill beer on you it's sometimes going- when it's hot out it's actually kind of refreshing as gross as that sounds <laughs> I, you know, I got to think about, I got to think about it that way. It's like, if someone spills beer on me at a ball game next time and the, over the summer, it's like, actually, thank you. I shake the guy's hand instead of my usual, <laughs> the usual, which is yelling at him. He's like, yo, can you be careful? Yeah, and please, instead, not. you just you end up sticky and gross by the end of the games. If it's a good game, if you, if you walk out of the stadium smelling gross like beer and you're sticky, that means they, the NYCFC had a good game. It, it also means that like you were actually, but it was a very intensive game and you just didn't care. Cause like, if it was a boring game, you would probably just like go into the, oh, no, then you're like, what are we doing here? <laughs> I feel so gross. I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, Anthony, thank you so much for taking the time yes. to talk with me. Um, let the people know how they can reach out to you and what you've been up to. Um, so like I said, I have a podcast. We're on everything. It's called blunt sports talk. I do it with my buddy Waldy. Um, what I can never can remember my Twitter handle. So give me a second. Um, and I'll shout you guys out on that one too. I'm a terrible. I have everything revolves around the name Pico de Gallo, so it's just Pico de Gallo, uh, Pico Day underscore Gallo or Gallo for my last name. But for make it easier, it's like the food. Um, you can catch me on Instagram also Pico de Gallo twenty four, all one word. All right, thanks so much, Anthony. I really appreciate it. That's gonna do it, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful time. Let's it's end the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, and then Champions League on Saturday. And I believe kickoff starts at around 3 p.m. So yes. I'm gonna do my best to try to at least catch it and then sit on the TV, watch the experience, and hopefully, for Anthony's sake, Man City wins. Yes, let's go, Man City, and let's go, Knicks. <laughs> yeah, let's go, Knicks, because they play on and the Knicks play on Friday, which is great. Yes, so it'll be a nice back to back. Oh man, it's great. I love, I love May sports so much. All right, everybody. Thanks everyone. Have a wonderful day and I'll see you all next time.